0: Thank you, Andrew, for reading God's word uh, to us. Now, I've been a parent for 30 years. I'll just let that sink in as you gasp at the uh, at that possibility, considering how youthful uh, I look. No smirking, uh, please, there, Elsie. Thank you very much. And as I look back, I can, of course, remember different things that have occurred to me in our children's lives. There's been lots of positive uh, memories, of course, but there have been those things where things Weren't always as good. Maybe I've been disappointed or got cross, especially, I have to say, if there's ever been any form of disrespect or a breach of trust. When your children are living at home and are younger, as parents, we kind of try to explore a whole variety, don't we, uh, of different means of correcting behaviour, of helping them to see that certain behaviours should have certain consequences. And those were uncomfortable times, enforcing Discipline as a parent, maybe withdrawing some form of, of privilege or, or thinking of what star, size stick I should use. No, uh, that was a joke, by the way. No, we never uh, uh, use anything of the sort at all. Did the use of such discipline, though, or any form of discipline, mean that I didn't love my children? No, the opposite. I wanted the very best for my children. I still do, even though now they're grown up. And there's nothing that they could do or not do, that would make me love them any less. But children do have to learn, and sometimes the hard way. The Bible picks up a similar principle, and more than once reminds us that that the Lord disciplines those he loves. Proverbs 3, verse 12, and Hebrews chapter 13, verse 6. We understand about discipline, and although none of us liked being on the receiving end of it, as we get older, the irony is that we can often tend to say things like, that's the trouble today, isn't it? Not enough discipline. We just never thought like that when we were in trouble years ago, of course. But that's in some respects what sets the scene for what we're looking at today. Isaiah, this prophet from the Old Testament, had been telling his contemporaries that their way of life was displeasing to God and the consequences would indeed follow. They were God's people and should have known better and they certainly should indeed have lived better. The New Testament reminds us that we reap what we sow in Galatians chapter 6 verse 7. Isaiah, Israel, rather, was about to be taken away in exile to Babylon. Well, so what we may well say. Well, as well as being a nation, these were God's people. It's like we might say today that that is the Christian church is, and yet, what is it that they've got coming to them? It's judgment. How humiliating, given their status of being God's people and their perceived specialness in God's eyes. The message was a serious one and an unpleasant one to hear. We don't like being told, do we, that God will punish us for our wrongdoing. Now, let's be honest, we certainly don't like to hear that we're sinners. That's not very popular either, is it? Try that out on a friend and see what kind of reaction you get. They'll probably uh, deliver you back some degree of scorn or abuse. Or it will confirm to them all the way along that, yep, you are indeed the religious nutter that they thought you were after all. God's people didn't appreciate hearing about uh, their sin being punished back then either. But, you know, even in the darkest of times, God loves his people. And it's in the darkest days that we're going to be thinking about today. May you and I know that it's at these times that even then that God loves you. This exile would be a harsh reality, but it did not mark the end of things for God's people. That's the good news. God announced through this prophet Isaiah that he would intervene by raising up a servant to set his people free once more. God often uses, doesn't he, other people to accomplish his purposes. He still does. It may well have been that he used another person to grab hold of your attention or maybe a series of circumstances. Well, time here is going back 2,700 years. Cyrus, a king of Persian origin, he would be the means of granting God's people their political and national liberty. He would come to power and would grab this opportunity. Uh, He would come uh, to power and would organize a return of those exiles who wanted to go back to their ancestral lands. Some of those Israelites would then grab this opportunity and would indeed repossess the promised land. But that that deliverance that Cyrus could bring was obviously limited to a degree, wasn't it? He could resolve matters on the political front, yes. But he would be powerless to bring about what they needed most. That sense of spiritual deliverance that the people desperately needed. But that spiritual deliverance would be brought about. God had another means. There will be one called the Servant of the Lord. And there are four such passages about this character, known elsewhere as the Servant Songs. We're not going to look at or unpack those. That's your homework this week. Okay, I expect that in on Tuesday morning without fail, please. Suffice to say that God would make this Servant of the Lord, his Servant of the Lord, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. John chapter 1, verse 29. More about that next week. His name is Jesus. Okay, but that of course is still all very much in the future. But what of what we are looking at today? And what might this mean for ourselves? If anything at all, given the massive amount of years between then and indeed now. Here's the first thing believe that God's good news really is good news. Things have not been great for God's people, yet it's whilst they were in such a dark place that God seeks to give them a lift. The language might not be too easy for us to understand at first glance when we read through uh, some of the, uh, the vocabulary in Isaiah chapter 49, but to those hearing those words, as they heard them, it would have reminded them of what God did when he delivered his people way back in the Exodus. And you can read about that in the book by the same name in chapter 14. The gushing of God's news was to include things like this, the reestablishing the people in the land, giving to the desolate an inheritance, setting prisoners free, giving of light to those who were in darkness, Feeding and sustaining people, even in the most unlikely of circumstances. Protecting them from the elements and transforming natural barriers into highways so that God's people could return from wherever they were. For a people so down and discouraged, this was nothing but good news. And they should have seen it as such. But incredibly This was their response. They said, The Lord has forsaken me. The Lord has forgotten me. That kind of like, oh, woe is meanness that seemed to cloud in God's people somehow. How could they have been so blind? How could they have been so ungrateful? How could they have responded so negatively? We'd never do that, would we? Or would we? Well, This is maybe how these words may well apply for ourselves. It would be as if God would be saying to us, you know, we are all sinners and we deserve hell and judgment. But God loved you enough to create a means whereby you might not be punished and be saved. Upon placing your faith in Jesus, all your wrongdoing is able to be wiped out. But what is written in is your name in his book of life called the lamb's book of life it means your future destiny is secured you will go to be with god a place where there is no darkness no suffering no death they call it heaven but also there's more in the here and now from the moment you place your faith in In Jesus you become a child of God you are now in his family you have a global network of brothers and sisters you are forgiven he pours his Holy Spirit into you upon confession of your faith he gives you gifts to use in his church he gives you a new purpose a new plan for your life he promises to be with you always and promises to never leave you nor forsake you <laughs> wow that stuff is all fantastic that is what God says to his people in the here and now you would think that every believer hearing this and indeed knowing this must surely be so excited for the rest of Of their days that they'd be and we would be indeed forever walking round with beaming grins all over our faces. Willing to share with anyone who would listen to us talk about all that God had done for us. And indeed how he had blessed us and what we have by way of future hope to look forward to. And yet by way of contrast. Let me just share some of the things that I've heard from believers more than once. I don't think God loves me anymore, as I don't seem to be able to feel his presence. I'm not sure that God is there and he doesn't answer my prayers. There's nothing for me to do here. I've no purpose. I might as well leave the church as no one talks to me. I sent them a text, but not got a response. So why should I bother? I'm not gonna go to that group anymore because I didn't fit in. I stopped going to church because I wasn't getting anything out of it. No one has contacted me for months. I've done my bit. It's time for others to do theirs. Oh, I'm just so busy. Now, hang on a minute. Before anyone feels got at, because you may well feel like one of those quotes could be yours, a few could have been mine at different times. You know, the truth is that we can all feel low at times, can't we? And we go through dark times and have to endure tough seasons. But a season is not a life attitude. And that was the issue that Isaiah was seeing from God's people. If such one-off feelings become attitudes, it's then that we need to repent and seek to put that right. We also need to remind ourselves of how blessed we truly are because not grasping hold of that is nothing but insulting to the one who has so showered his love upon us. Count your blessings, name them one by one, and it will surprise you what the Lord has done. done Some of you will be singing that from your sofa and probably more in tune than I was. In our day, as Christians, we can sadly sometimes shut out our ears to what God says and prefer to go with our perception and our understanding of what is happening to us and indeed around us. Are you in danger of that? It's a poignant question. You know what the gospel says? But your own experience seems so different and you are really struggling right now. It's then that we can stop allowing the word to direct our thinking. Perhaps maybe we compartmentalise our our life. Yes, the Bible has a place, but not maybe a significant one. We no longer allow it to determine our thoughts uh, uh, any longer. And little by little, we marginalise it. And it hardly has any real influence over us at all. Times away from the, the physical presence of our, of our church coming together and being one only make that situation harder, doesn't it? God, help us. We cry out. We are desperate for help to speak into those dry, arid places of such dark times. So we're going to pause because at such a time, music can be so positive. I hope that as we hear God's word, right into maybe those desolate places that may well be our own. And if they're not, we never know what's around the corner. Let's reflect on the words of our next song and enter into this worship experience as we invite God to give us more love, more power. God cannot and will not forget you in that great news. Mother's Day can be a good day for some, but a bad day for others. Maybe you've lost your mum, or maybe you can never be a mum yourself. Whatever this day means to you, may you know that God knows exactly where you're at. I trust that you'll draw comfort from that. And that verse that we looked at in verse 15, Uh, of uh, God not forgetting us in the same way that a mother does it. Just picture the the various attributes of mum wanting to draw you close right now. There's no such thing as social distancing when it comes to God's spirit. He longs for us to come to him. James chapter four, verse eight reminds us, come near to God and he will indeed come near to us. So let's return to our passage. God's promise. Is that whatever we feel he can never and will never forget us in the passage he describes what his total commitment to them is like see I have engraved you on the palms of my hands and I, I'm grateful to professor Terence for downloading this uh, to me earlier the people you see were familiar with the notion of names being engraved on the religious attire Of the high priest as he ministered and acted as a representative of the people. But here, something more profound is being spoken of. The high priest, you see, could remove their garments when they ceased ministering, the names would then no longer be being worn. But here God is using very poetic imagery and speaks of their names being engraved on the very palms of his hands. In other words, they could not be taken off or rubbed off at all. So they could not possibly be forgotten. Their names were there in his very hands and on his very hands. Maybe a bit like some form of biblical president for having a tattoo. Who knows? So once, of course, that tattoo is there, it's there for all time. Now, okay, we get that it is possible to really work hard to erase that, but you get the picture. Tattoos are intended to be there for life. You know, your being a child of God is like that. Once that is done and established, that's it. It is done. So maybe as a good visual aid, I'll go off now to get myself a tattoo. Uh, No. I don't think so. I don't think that would go down particularly well. There's one other very positive thing that I want us to share uh, together as we think about this uh, this passage. Not that I want to rush off from that sense of our our names having been engraved in the very hands of God. That's a beautiful picture and I hope that that will be precious to many of you. But listen to this. When God acts... Prepare for a space shortage. What do I mean by that? Let me remind you of some of the verses that we had read to us a little bit earlier. And I'm going to read a few others as well from verse 18. Lift up your eyes and look around. All your children gather and come to you. As surely as I live, declares the Lord, you will wear them all as ornaments. You will put them on like a bride. Though you were ruined and made desolate and your land laid waste, now you will be too small for your people. And those who, you, who uh, devoured you will be far away. The children born during your bereavement will say in your hearing, this place is too small for us. Give us more space to live in. Then you will say in your heart, who bore me these? I was bereaved and barren, I was exiled and rejected. Who brought these up? I was left all alone. But these, where have they come from? You see, the land that had seemed so sparsely populated because of the removal of so many into exile will soon seem completely overcrowded. Now, overcrowding right now, we feel a little bit vulnerable, don't we, as if that's a negative thing. But overcrowding is not always a negative thing and it's not always going to be a negative thing. Let me explain. As we think about what's occurring with COVID and and the the current, the latest current rulings, kind of restrictions, uh, being laid, laid down a little bit and lessened uh, somewhat. We know that there's going to come a time post-Easter when we're going to be able to gather in the church once more. And there can be maybe a small group, first of all, but then a bigger group. And as that, that time is occurring, bit by bit we're going to be thinking, we can't wait for there to be more and more people coming. And the picture here is of that sense of, of God blessing his people so much that there's that abundance That growth, that overcrowding, wow, where did all these people come from? Are you praying for that day when yet again we're going to have a building issue? I hope that's going to be the case. A building is just to facilitate the work of God, isn't it? In Isaiah's time, there will be so many new inhabitants that the people will wonder where on earth they will come from. There's a hint here of the expansion of the people of God as the natural children of Israel are added to by the adopted children of the Gentiles. So our equivalent must surely be that we would be then seeing those from outside suddenly coming to join us in our midst, coming to faith in the Lord Jesus. And we sit there thinking, where all these people come from? There was a measure of that to a degree when we shifted buildings and moved geographically to Poundbury, wasn't there? Different people coming into our midst, we're thinking, where did they come from? We ain't seen nothing yet. May we pray to that end. Not that we would be um, kind of deterred from praying uh, to that end because we think, oh, I don't like the idea of us being busy and overcrowded and everything else. It's all about God. His word and his purpose and his plan to reach those who don't yet know him as Lord. And then if we need a new building again, so be it. We're going to worship God in song now. As we do so, let's be mindful again of these words that speak of our hunger to, to yet our hunger to know yet even more of God. Let's worship him. Right where you are now.
1: Good morning, everyone. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we've been through a difficult year, but we thank you for being alongside us and we thank you for the positive signs that this pandemic is slowing down. We thank you for all the medical people and volunteers in the rollout of the vaccine and the success in reducing the levels of infection and cases in hospital. We pray for all those known to us facing difficulties at this time and ask your blessing on them. We particularly pray for Jack and his family in Africa and thank you that their situation is improving. We pray for Roger and the church leaders. Give them wisdom as they reflect on the changes that may result from the pandemic and as they make plans for the future and in particular the way we can serve our community. We pray for other parts of our world not only facing the pandemic but many other issues. In particular we pray for countries like Yemen and Syria facing civil war and starvation and especially the effect that these have on refugees and children. For countries like Myanmar where the people are facing political repression and the suspension of democracy. And the minorities in many countries that are facing persecution And especially our fellow Christians. We pray Lord that everyone will continue to support those in greatest need both at home and abroad and we offer these prayers in Christ's name. Amen.
0: I want to say a huge thank you to you for joining us uh, once again uh, today trust that God has blessed you and that you're feeling better than you were an hour or so ago thank you too for everybody who has taken part uh, John who's pray for Andrew red a brilliant community kids slot as ever and obviously uh, to professor Terence appreciates his own uh, input and of course the puppets wasn't it great to see them again here's a, a final thought I want to share a story with you this is a true story There was a young lawyer who descended into the valley of despair. He was incredibly low, felt totally worthless. In fact, during this time, he wrote the following words in his memoirs. I am now the most miserable man living. Whether I shall ever be better, I cannot tell. I fear I shall not. His friends thought he might even be suicidal. The name of that young lawyer with those desperate feelings of utter Hopelessness was Abraham Lincoln, later to become President of the United States of America. It may well feel that for some of us that were in a rut, that were at the bottom of a dark, deep well, or in a black hole, we we just can't feel as if we can get out. Maybe for some of us, we don't even want to get out, or we don't even want to look up where there's that sense of light. But always with God. He's wanting to speak into us, into that dark and dismal, desperate situation to remind us that there is hope. It only will reach out to grab hold of his hand. There is hope. There is a future. Turn back to his word. Trust him afresh. See what he has got in store and join him on that journey. This passage that we've looked at back in Isaiah chapter 49, we know that that passage is addressed to Israel as a nation. But you know, as God's people, we have the right to claim these promises for ourselves. As a chapter, it is a great word of encouragement to discouraged hearts. Do you ever feel that God has forgotten you? That he's maybe turned his back on you? Perhaps you've made mistakes And you think that God is going to punish you for the rest of your life. Many people feel from time to time that God has indeed forgotten them. God's word assures you of the exact opposite. Trust that you'll be big enough and brave enough to seek God afresh. To cry out to him for help. Maybe get in touch. Drop us a line. Email us through our homepage on our website. We would love to have a conversation with you. Wherever it is that you're at. If there's any way at all that we can support you or pray for you, we would love to do that. But from me, I want to say the Lord bless you for the rest of today. Have a great, great week. God bless.